With each passing day, we grow stronger, digging deeper into the outside world. Unnoticed, we live among them like ghosts, biding our time, waiting for the moment when our oppressors shall be forced to kneel before us and pay for their sins! Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan. I'm Greg. We are deep into our past and present. We're in the present. We're in the present currently. These, these weeks are flying for me. Right? They really are. So where do we have? Wait, we should play the song first. Lap Pack Past and Present. Here it is. Woo! I need your clothes boots and your motorcycle. <laughs> the world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. What are you wearing? Size three? Bring it, happy feet. Stop being such a pussy. Are you crazy? Could kill me. That's how winning is done. I did nothing. The pavement was his enemy. Dylan! Son of a... We get to win this time. So we're, we're on week four already. Yeah, wow. So if you're tuning in for the first time and you've been sold this podcast as an 80s and 90s movie podcast, we are that 99% of the time, but we're doing a mini series right now where we look at old Lat Pack movies and new Lat Pack movies and compare and contrast. And I realized we haven't really been explaining what Lat Pack means because yeah, I, I always assume everyone say. knows. <laughs> but we <laughs> do for a little <laughs> reminder. Lat pack, it refers to the latissimus dorsi, the largest back muscle. The wings. You know, you've got your, you got your brat pack from the 80s. You've got your rat pack. You've got your all the things. Frat pack. This is the lat pack. These are the action heroes. We needed to create a space, a safe space for the men with lats to, to do their <laughs> things, shoot guns and do spinny kicks. Yeah. And glisten. <laughs> and glisten. Yeah. Very important really? attribute. So here we are. <laughs> so we've done Arnie. Yeah. And Sly, no, wait, we've done. We're doing Dolph. <laughs> done, honey. I started watching Sly last night. I'm all over the shop. We're doing Sly next week. We're doing Sly next week. But this week we're doing Dolph, part two of Dolph. We did uh, Masters of the Universe last week, a very PG lat pack, mm. but very lat. Mm. Um, he's mostly a lat in that movie. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a peck. And a peck. <laughs> Left peck. Um, yeah. yeah, now we're going to, we're switching gears. We're turning up the volume. We're, um, Turning up the dial, wow. Mm. Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning. Yeah, quite a deep cut. Yeah, quite a deep cut. Because, you know, theoretically, I guess we could have we could have done Creed 2 or something, but I don't know, it didn't feel, it felt more tangential. Like it didn't feel like a true new, it's not really action movie. You know? And he's in... He's in Aquaman, but only a little bit, right? So, you know, this felt is this, right. Is this an action movie? Well, that's a good question too. It is an interesting movie and that's 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 part of why I think we gravitated towards it. We, we, we'll unpack all of that. But I think, you know, it's a sequel to a 90s movie, so there's a pretty clean, direct line of, of mm, contrast yes. there. And, um, yep. yeah, I mean, for all these reasons. And it's got some new school lap pack in there. We've got Scott Atkins in there. Anyway, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll unpack all of that. Yeah. But before we do, 2012, Greg, what a year. <laughs> 2012 was a year. So listen, um, for these newer years, the mm. outer years, um, <laughs> I've been, uh, well, I've been, I've, there's only been one, 2019 <laughs> for Dark Fate. But uh, what I thought I'd do is rather than delve into something specific from that year, just give a little schmear of the year. Yeah, you You know, talk to a couple of the points. This year I'll do that. And then I thought we could touch on a couple of personal notes because there was a couple of milestones for you and I um, oh, yeah. in 2012. So uh, it was a big political year, Tristan. Um, Putin returned to power for his second stint. Putin. Oh, shit. Um, coincidentally, Xi Jinping came into power in China and Obama was re-elected in the US. He's no longer there, but the other two are still going strong, so good for them. Um <laughs> What else was happening that year? Uh, annoying colleagues around the office might have been humming. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, 
boom, boom. That that was a that was the ringtone that played on the desk next to me. That was Call Me Maybe. Ah, oh. that was a very big song. Here's my number. Call me maybe. Yeah, wow, that was an annoying one. song. Like, yeah, it was painfully it was annoying. But real ones were listening to Agent Orange, which was uh, also released that year. Frank Ocean's first full Channel album. Orange. What did I say? Agent Orange. <laughs> That's much worse. <laughs> Man, I did what I did. Watch um, a bit too much Rambo last night. <laughs> It's happened to you. You've got PTSD. Huh? <laughs> You've somehow I got like. I've got P- I'm, I'm <laughs> living the dream here. Channel Orange mm, was good released album. in 2012. Mm, mm. Really good album. And Netflix was still three years away in Australia, Tristan. Well, the, you know, the streaming variety. This is interesting. You're touching, you said personal memories. And you know what? So to 2012, 10 years ago, I think today. I moved to New York for the first time. And that's right. My mind was blown by Netflix because we didn't have it in Australia yet. Uh huh. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. Yeah. And Ara didn't move to New York. She was still back in Sydney. So I just lived with some random roommates. And I went to the gym every day and got absolutely shredded listening to Frank Ocean Channel Orange. Broccoli. Oh, really? Yeah. I got, I got, that's the last time I had abs. Yeah, I was like actually shredded then. And I, I would go home because, you know, with, with no significant other, the meal isn't really an event. It just became functional eating and I would just, you know, stick a a cooked chicken breast on a fork and just, just eat it like a lollipop. That is um, that's <laughs> the secret to shred. Is <laughs> it's all you need to do really, yeah. Ditching your wife yeah, or yeah. husband. Yeah, and, you know, look at me now. I'm... I'm uh, Way off the wagon right now, but you know what can you do? I guess I could train and eat better. But yeah, it's, it's Taco Friday. <laughs> it's Taco Tuesday somewhere, as they say. Somewhere. Keep going. What were you doing in 2012? 2012. Well, I just moved back from um, a couple of years running aimlessly around Europe and rejoined you at work. That's right. We just before you had crossover left, period. so we had, a, yeah. we had a little crossover, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, and I, you moved to New York and I moved in with Carol. Yeah. That's what happened. Big year. So big year all round. Yeah. For the Double Impact family and other bits. That extends all the way to the cinema. Yeah, yes. Oh, nice segue. It's funny. The number one movie when we last did a modern film in 2019 was Avengers Endgame. The number one film in 2012 was The Avengers, the first one. So uh, we really, what's the word? Bookended that. Yeah, there you go. Yes, that's the yeah, bookend. We've done yes. a real Avengers bookending. Um, Skyfall was number two that year. Dark Knight Rises, number three. The Hobbit, Ice Age, one of them. The Twilight movie, Amazing So it's Spider-Man. been franchise town for a while now, hasn't it? Yeah. Mm. I was thinking even just, you know, in terms of movies for the year. Um, Argo. Best Picture. Oh, yeah. Remember Argo? Life of Pi. Got Ang Lee, Best Director. Oh, yeah. I never saw that. I read the book once when I was younger. Really? The book's so much better than the movie. I read a book once. The novelization of Jurassic Park. (laughs) 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 I've read more than that, sort of. But I remember being so proud of reading that in one day back in the day. Oh. I remember lying on the couch as a small child and reading the novelization of Jurassic Park. I think I thought it was the book that Jurassic Park was based on, but it was the other way around. And I think it was like 70 pages. Mm. <laughs> and there were pictures in the middle. I think it was, was, it, quite was cool. it called Billy and the Clonosaurus? <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, you have got the beginning, <laughs> sir. I feel like I've made that gag once before. Yeah, that's, a, that's never, okay. No, no one will ever know. <laughs> Uh, but there was a film that came out that same year that is nowhere to be found in the charts because it was essentially direct-to-video or video-on-demand, which, you know, isn't as uh, stigmatised as it once was. Yeah, it's the style now. It was briefly released in cinema and it did get $1.4 million at the box office, but the film we are talking about is a little film called Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning.
So it came out in November of 2012, budget of $8 million. Its box office, as I said, was only 1.4 mil, but that's probably not a fair call on its, you know, success because it was primarily video on demand. Um, perhaps critics are better to turn to for some evaluation. So on Rotten Tomatoes, critic score 56%, audience score 34%. That might sound low, but it is the highest in the franchise. <laughs> there you go. The original Universal Soldier was 34%. It's all relative. And, you know, three out of the other five have zero or no rating. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, critic consensus, the mooted final instalment in the long-running series is a hyper-violent, often grim throwback to action movies of yore, which will appeal to some audiences just as emphatically as it deters others. And I think what we have here, Greg, is very much a film that is, you know, that's kind of one point that is polarising. It's a polarising film. Yeah, generally when a film sits around 50% of Rotten Tomatoes, it's polarising because of the way that system works. In fact, we had talked about that being the premise of the podcast, right? Do we do we only mm. do Rotten Tomatoes 50%-ish movies and see where we think they lie? But, yeah, this is a very polarising film. Like if you look on Rotten Tomatoes at, you know, they have the little snippets of different reviews below, it is genuinely like a love or hate thing. So like on the love side of things, Himes has created a truly unique object, a horror action flick about uniquely expressive bodies haunted by the minds and memories they're forced to house. Another love fest. Dave Reckon is somehow not just the best film in the series, but a damn fine piece of action filmmaking by any yeah, by any measure. Uh, another one, an intensity of purpose and patient suspenseful directing style makes this B-movie superior to most of the big budget action films I've seen lately. And then more on the hater side of things. As with all films in the Universal Soldier series, this is mostly a catalogue of increasingly brutal fights which are the main attraction in and of themselves. Boo, Lewis Black, fuck off. There is no end, Van Damme announces in Between Blows as a comment on the current film. I'll agree. As a prediction, all I can do is shudder. All right, Stephen Witty. Not so witty. Oh, Stephen, not so... Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, look. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> so. An hour into the film, it's still no clearer exactly what is supposed to be going on. Okay, that may be true, but did you watch the rest yeah, of the movie? Maybe, <laughs> maybe watch the whole thing. You dickhead, Mike Macy. Have you ever seen? Have you seen Mulholland Drive? Can you get that person's <laughs> review of Mulholland Drive? This is the thing. So a lot of the critics that praise it, like liken him, the director we'll get into to. This is like a David Lynchian take. This is something, man. We'll, we'll get into our thoughts it's soon. Lynchian notes for sure. Yeah. Was this a big movie for you, Greg? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. I was busy in 2012. <laughs> I mean, this was very under the radar. Right? Going to karaoke and yeah, spending way on. too much on food and putting on weight, all those things you do in the early days of new love. <laughs> um, I had seen in the years past I've seen – one of the fight scenes, the Andre Olovsky fight scene in the sports store. Oh, you saw that I already? I think it must have, been on, must have been on a Foxtel action channel or something at, ah, yeah. at some point because I've seen yeah, – I yeah. randomly turn it on. I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome. And I love Andre Olovsky. <laughs> More on that later. But, right. yeah, I had seen that. I was like, that's, that's a pretty cool wild, scene. Aggressive, man. but Tough, yeah, Fucking hectic. I'm like, if that's what they're <laughs> up to in this franchise, I need to get back to it. But I um, – yeah, that was obviously a fleeting thought because I I never saw the movie. Yeah. How about you? I started – I thought I saw most of it. In hindsight now I realise I only saw maybe the first third or so. Did you see the first hour and leave a review on Tomatoes yeah. under, <laughs> under my James alias? Whitty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my nom de plume. Um, oh, what? Now maybe we need nom de plumes for, nom de for plume. Tomatoes. Yeah, or at least to give ourselves <laughs> reviews on Apple Podcasts. Actually, side note. Speaking of which, can I can I can we can we sidebar on this real quick? Really? Now that I'm in America, I can see the American reviews in our podcast. And you may also remember that you know the American audience of this very podcast used to be only thirty percent, but now it's equal with Australia. It's overtaken. It's overtaken. Yeah, actually, it's a number one. The US number one. A OK. Wow. And <laughs> Land but. Is- Dreams. What is it? We have like triple the reviews in Australia than we do in the US. So America, oh. get it together. We would love if you could leave us a tasty little review. 
I thought Americans would be more reviewy. So did I, so would I. Yeah, with your Maybe I'm, mm. with your yelps and such. Give us a yelp. Anyway, sorry, that's that's a that's beside the point. So I I think I watched this when we did because we have done Universal Soldier, the first one, nineteen ninety two film, um, a while back mm-hmm. as part of our regular visit to JCVD land. I think I might have watched it off the back of that. I think probably in doing a similar thing where I looked at all the Rotten yeah, Tomatoes one and saw that was really positive. So I was like, oh, interesting. And I remember thinking, this is fucking cool and not finishing it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but thinking I got most of it. Never return. Yeah, I thought I got most of it, but I guess I didn't. Um, I haven't seen any of the other sequels it, either. It is heavy going. Yeah, it's pr- it is heavy. Yeah, pretty clear. I'm pretty sure I know where I stopped <laughs> last time. Is it when you when you turned off the TV, walked outside, and and went to the psychologist? Yeah, or lay in a fetal position in your bathroom, cold bathroom to- floor, <laughs> an hour or two. Yeah, somewhere betwixt the two. <laughs> Have you seen any of the other sequels? I don't think so. No, me neither. Maybe, maybe two. Universal. Is this like Soldier, the sixth? Brother in Arms. Well, this is the other thing. There's, this ignores three of them. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, that's the style now. you got to ignore Ex- the Well, exactly. One. I was saving that point for later. But, you know, as we talk about the evolution of, you know, movie franchises and such, this very much is in that same camp as Dark Fate where you just choose which, which movies count and which don't. Mm-hmm. And the world has to deal with it. Anyway, mm. should I get into the origin <laughs> story? Yeah, please. Origin story. Uh, so this one's going to be short and sweet. Short because there's not a lot out there. Sweet for a very sweet reason, which I'll get to. But if you remember back in 1992, the first Universal Soldier film, it was directed by a young Roland Emmerich. Again, continuing the mm-hmm. tradition of JCVD embracing foreign directors and giving them a shot in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. At least that's how we like to frame it. I feel like he doesn't get the respect, you know, John Woo, Chewie Hark, others, <laughs> mm-hmm. Emmerich. Um, it was his first Hollywood picture. I won't go through the whole, you know, spiel on the origin story there, but there was one little anecdote I wanted to bring up again because it's so funny. He inherited this picture from another director and apparently he asked, he says, I asked immediately, who is Jean-Claude Van Damme? I rented all his movies and went, Oh, no. (laughs) And my co-creator, Dean Devlin, said, you cannot work with these people. And so I said, I have a great idea. We kill them at the beginning and when they wake up, they're automatically controlled people. (laughs) So he kind of used the beautiful constraint of the limited acting range from his point of view, I don't necessarily agree, um, to have them be playing robots for 99% of the film. Well, not quite robots, you know, let's not split hairs. Um, Cyborgs. Fast forward 20 years and four movies later, we get this one. Now, this one is directed by John Hyams. Ring a bell. That name sounds familiar. And this is the sweet part. I did the short part. This is the sweet part. The son of Peter Hyams, the director of Sudden Death and Damn Gap. Uh-huh. And you know what? That Hyams collection, not bad. You get father and son, little movie package because John Hyams also did the one Universal Soldier film before this one, Regeneration, um, of which his dad was director of photography too. So it was a whole family affair. There's a little handover happening there, which I think is very sweet. Mm, mm. Very sweet. Passing of the um, croissant. That's no, not right. <laughs> Something like that. Um, now, to the point of this very uh, miniseries we're doing, I found a nice quote. This is this is John Hyams talking about the other Universal Soldier film he directed, but the principle still applies. And he said, I'm hoping that we're taking a film that was made a long time ago and we're now trying to present these characters in a contemporary context and that means stylistically contemporary and to use my own taste, something that feels like it belongs in this era of filmmaking. I also think that the film is a bit of a nostalgia piece, not only to 80s but also early 90s. Now one caveat there I guess on that final point was I haven't seen Universal Soldier Regeneration, but I watched some clips. It does feel much more a traditional Universal Soldier film, but probably a good one. Whereas this one, I feel like, takes it in a bold new direction. 
when we when it came time for day of reckoning again it just what's the point of repeating yourself there's really no point so you have to come up with a whole new thing and when it came time for day of reckoning it was like i'm excited to do another chapter in this story but it can't just be the sequel to that movie it has to be something different we need we need someone new at the center of this who's going to be our protagonist so that was one of my the first things i i asked for when it came time to trying to do that movie was um i yeah of course we want john claude and dolph in there but i need this to be someone else's journey well, we can evaluate to what extent we think he's taken this franchise into the modern era later on, but um, I would say this one's probably a bit less nostalgic <laughs> than perhaps the previous one. Mm. I wouldn't say it um, It reeks of nostalgia. No. It's almost like a slap in the – not a slap in the face, but, you know, it's it's almost like fuck your nostalgia. Subver- it's definitely your subverting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so, yeah, his two Universal Soldier films were pretty close together, 2009 and 2012. They're pretty much direct sequels to the first one. So it goes Universal Soldier 1, Universal Soldier Regeneration, and Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. Fish mm. Bash Bosh, you got yourself a film. You got yourself a picture. We're party down in that dark cave where they all hang out and paint their faces. The high, I assume that's the Hyams country estate. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy, there's monsters in the house. What the hell? Created in a laboratory. Programmed to kill. I notice we live among them like ghosts. Waiting for the moment when our oppressors shall be forced to kneel before us! Trade, they seek freedom, led by the undisputed Universal Soldier. We're brothers. We're one one. But one man, haunted by grief. You don't remember anything, do you? I had a family. Consumed by vengeance. You tell me who he is. If you go looking for Devereaux, he'll find you first. Unleashes the soul of a warrior. Put the plumber to work. You got your work cut out for you on this one, mate, with your with your plot oh, synopsis. How'd you go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I tried to write this a couple of times <laughs> and then just uh, wrote down what I saw. So we open on a computer-type game, mm. computer game, like a first-person viewer thing. It's one of my first notes, legit. Yes, yeah. A man is in his bed. That's you. You're the man. And he's in bed with his wife sleeping. A young girl, your daughter, enters the room making claims of monsters. Daddy, there's monsters in the house. Okay, I'm going to check it out. It's a very eerie setting. It's it's like a scary game. Uh, The dad gets up, you, and explores the house. It's very creepy. Room by room, we're checking. Nothing we turn the kitchen light on, and bam, three balaclavered men stand before you, and the nightmare begins. You beat it down repeatedly with a crowbar. You can see your own blood squirting everywhere. The intruders bring your screaming wife and daughter into the room, and then a father's greatest nightmare occurs as we witness 
Bald Van Dam. Yeah. Oh, and the wife and children uh, executed. Fuck! It's fucking heavy, man. It's so heavy. Fuck! It's so heavy. We realised we'd seen the perspective of a man named John, and he's been in a coma for nine months since that attack. His family's dead. He's immediately questioned by an FBI agent and learns that the man who killed his family is Luke Devereaux, a unisol or unisoldier who's gone rogue. His name is Luke Devereaux. His prints were all over the crime scene. And he's trying to build an army and we can't quite work out why he killed his family. The nightmare, Tristan, is just beginning as John tries to piece together this madness. Who can he trust? Why do some faces seem familiar? Why is Andrei Olovsky trying to kill me? And why can I do these sweet kicks? <laughs> and when will the nightmare be over? I didn't want to give too much away because a lot of people won't have seen this and I think they should, so. It's going to be hard to not spoil. Maybe we can. Well, maybe, we'll see okay. how we go. We'll see how we go and maybe comes we'll out, try comes and out. avoid it for a while and then when we have to talk about it we'll say, all right, spoiler alert. Because you should watch this film. Should we say that from the start? Yeah. You should watch this movie. Just maybe go and watch the, You should watch this movie. Yeah. Um, but don't watch it with, like, your partner if they don't like violent movies and don't yeah. certainly don't have your children anywhere near you. Yeah. It's very violent. You may even need, like, you know, a, a support animal or something. Mm, um, well, like a towel to put on your couch. <laughs> it's full on, man. It is... It's fucking heavy, man. The opening scene and you're like, you know, obviously we know Van Damme and I guess for the most part, at least in everything we've covered, he's never the bad guy. And in this franchise, he's not the bad guy. So it's quite confronting. I just want to go home. I just want to eat. (laughs) He's a simple French boy from Vietnam War. He just wants to steal a, a rotisserie chicken with his mate. Um, with Michelle Kissy down at the old uh, Venice Beach area. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah, of course. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's confronting. And you spend the basically the, almost the whole movie going, but he wouldn't do that, would he? Like when are we going to find out, you know, that, or when does he, when's he going to do the splits and it's all going to be good? Um, <laughs> and that doesn't quite happen. We won't get into spoilers just yet, but that doesn't quite happen, does it? This is a whole new thing for us, Greg, doing new movies. We have to like, we do have to be conscious of spoilers because, yeah. I guess when it's the 90s, you just assume everyone's seen it. I guess it's still 10 years old. It is 10 years old. So by normal standards, I guess mm. we can spoil it. But still, it's just it's, not 30 years old. It has twists. So, and they're, they're satisfying twists. So, I thought so. Anyway, you should watch it. Um, but sorry, before we, all, before we dive into it all, you're watching it for the first time. How, what was your reaction? Yeah, well, it was not what I expected. Mm. Um, at all, I hadn't. I went in with no pre-formulated views on what it was going to. Well, I probably did actually. I probably thought it was going to be a, another Universal Soldier movie, but yeah, um, yeah. It it's is it a horror movie? We can talk more about it, but if I couldn't quite like the the opening felt Holy. like a game. We'll talk about that. It's yeah. It feels it's more. It's it's kind of a it's a blurred. Uh, genre. There's, it's not really specific action or martial arts movie. It's very heavy stuff. And throughout the brothel scene, fuck. Ugh. It's it's always the hardest when it's just innocent bystanders just getting ruthlessly killed. It is, and like, there's no, they don't shy away from showing everything. Like it, it is confronting, man. Fuck. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. Uh, and, you know, the use of light, um, flickering light, the whole dreamscape that he builds or nightmare scape. Yeah, that shit was intense. It's very intentional, obviously, but, man, I just wasn't expecting it. I don't have epilepsy, but I think I got close at that point. Like the flickering light I is had crazy. to look away from the screen. At, uh, Visions of Van Damme. Oh, Sorry, I'm sprawling, I'm sprawling here. Let me get my thoughts organised here. Okay, first, you already mentioned it. It's got to be peak lap pack material. Two buff motherfuckers fighting with weights. <laughs> yeah. 
It's beautiful. That's that is that was such a fucking amazing. The crazy thing is, it was right after a car chase, which was still pretty good, but that was like I'm leaning forward now and I'm glued to the screen watching this part. Yeah, that was um, Scott Atkins and, and Andre Olovsky. Yeah. I don't know much about that guy. Andre Olovsky? Yeah. So Andre Olovsky is a Belarusian mixed martial artist, uh, all-time legend. So he's 43 now. Right. He's still fighting and, and he's I think he's like f- he's nine and two, i.e. nine wins and two losses in his last 11 fights in the UFC. Right. So that's – not many fighters have that past sort of 11, 10-fight record where you've won the vast, vast majority, especially at 43. So he's been yeah. fighting – his UFC debut was in 2000. Wow. November 2000. Yeah. So like Shit. 22 years ago. Wow. Was his UFC debut. These are, these are like phenomenal <laughs> stats. Unheard yeah. of. MMA careers just don't last this long. So – yeah. He yeah, he had his first year in MMA the year prior, then kind of went pretty quickly into the UFC. He won his first belt Fuck. in 2005. And then he left in 2008. I don't know if there was a, probably a pay thing or something like that. And he fought at a bunch of other um, tournaments uh, or leagues around the world. Strike Force, I think even YNFC, a few of the other big ones. YNFC is the one where our friend of the show, uh, um, Michael Chavello, the voice. Yeah, commentates. the voice. The voice, friend of the show, shout out. Um, yeah, and then he returned back to the UFC in 2014, which um, I guess was a couple of years after this movie. And he's been he's been pretty good ever since. Like he he hasn't fought for the belt again. He gets sort of, you know, gets to that right upper echelon. That's sort of his sweet spot now. But man, he's 43. Yeah. I think the um, the oldest fighter ever was 47, Randy Couture. There's a couple of guys. Below that, at forty-five, um, Anderson Silver yeah. and and Mark Coleman, forty-five. So he's if he fights for another couple of years, he's sort of, you know, in one of the world. oldest ever. He's got like the most wins in the UFC, just about, wow. and he's had the most fights, uh. just about. Like he's got, he's a Hall of Famer, like future Hall of Famer for sure, an absolute beast of a unit, heavyweight, of course. Damn. Yeah, a very legitimate. Uh, um, character to have in this movie. I was excited yeah. to see him in it. He was cool. Because, yeah, in this movie, you're right, like this film starts and it's like, is this even an action movie? And it kind of takes a while. But then once the fights get fighting, fuck, like that one. <laughs> yeah. what, what's your, you're, you're more of the fight expert amongst the two of us. What, what do you, what do you, where do you stand on the fighting in this? Positive? Yeah, it's great. Scott Atkins is amazing. Um, he's good. really, he's new Van Damme, isn't he? Like, yeah, I, I forgot to say that in the in my little synopsis, but he's, I think he's sort of taken. You know, he's a, he's a bit of a cult hero. He's obviously not super mainstream, but he's pretty yeah. famous. Yeah, and um, like remember when we saw Van Dam in live in concert? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people were asking like, who's the new, who are the new, who's the new world? And I think a bunch of people in the crowd were calling out Scott Atkins. So he's got a fan base. Yeah, of those sort of people makes sense but you know you you saw like he's very impressive on on screen he's amazing it's so good and he has a showdown obviously with uh lap pack royalty and i guess multiple pretty i'm pretty sure mr hyam said that that final fight with van damme is supposed to be like the passing of the torch kind of thing oh yeah i didn't know much about scott adkins at all when i first half watched this a few years ago since then i've kind of mm. learned a bit more i've seen him in a few things pop up here and there even just interviews and stuff and he seems like a legend of a dude seems like a good guy he's uh, he's an english yeah. guy obviously um from birmingham yeah but by the end of this movie i was convinced i'm like yeah this guy he's good and i just want to see more of his shit um he's popped up in a few mainstream things but only in like tiny parts but then obviously he's been, he's been in like one of the Ip Man movies and a bunch of bunch of stuff. Yeah, I think one of his big sort of come out films was, under, if I'm right, Undisputed Two. Right, Last Man Standing. I I, I think I, I think um, he's definitely in that. I don't know if he was in one. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. So Undisputed Two. It's got Michael Jai White um, and him, and he plays this um, like Russian dude called Boyka, and he's got like a tat. And a, a mohawk. It's a, if you saw, oh, seen, if you saw yeah, the yeah, character, you'd probably be like, oh, yep, I've seen that. So that was pretty 
that was pretty massive for him. I think that was his sort of come out. Yeah. And then they made a specific one for him off the back of it, Boyka Undisputed in, in 2017. Um, Russian prison fighter Yuri Boyka. Nice. So if you're into some more modern, uh, if you want to catch some more modern lat-packy martial arts films, give those a go. I'm into that. I haven't watched them. I'm pretty keen to. Yeah, I'm down. Um, oh, you mentioned the video game thing. So can we talk about that? Because I agree, A, it's interesting that you said it because uh, I guess it is just true. But I was also, I really felt it and I was like, why am I thinking that? And I was thinking, I think this is generally true. I can't remember the specifics, but I'm pretty sure that last Resident Evil game opened very similar. Yeah, right. Um, which only came out a couple of years ago, so obviously after this. And you are at home, it's first person, you're playing a character that's, he's been in the last game but he's a, rel- he's a new character that you don't know much about. You don't even know what he looks like, it's first person. And it's very, very ordinary occasion. You put your baby to bed or whatever and you come back downstairs and there's your wife in the kitchen with someone putting a gun to her head or something. Oh, God. Chris? What the hell? Sorry, Ethan. No! What? Why? Net-net, a guy kills your wife who was a good guy in one of the previous games. So it's, it's very, very similar. And, you know, fade to black, you passed out kind of thing. So it's it's funny. And I guess Resident Evil games do draw on, like, pop cultural things of horror genre and stuff. So I I, I assume it's a knowing nod, mm. but it's so niche. I Googled it and nothing came up. <laughs> but um, it's fascinating because it was... It's a Reddit thread. Yeah, good. I could be one of those Redditors. <laughs> But it was fascinating. Did you did it did it conjure up any specific games for you, or you, or you was more just the first uh, person? I, I was thinking like The Last of Us or one of those uh, sort yeah. of ones. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was probably it was more just the style. Um, so it was yeah. just like a, a horror game, really, like The Last of Us or, or Resident Evil, or one of those. And it's a fucking cool scene because a it just looks cool. It's like a really weird intro to a movie, especially because. Van Damme is one of the bad guys, as it turns out. That's not really a spoiler. It happens in the first minute. But something that is a spoiler, in my mind, the fact that it's first person actually kind of pays off later on. Spoiler alert, fast forward one minute if you don't want to hear this, um, because it it's a fake memory. Mm. So, you know, theoretically, you wouldn't be able to see it outside of his body because it didn't happen. <laughs> it's only yeah. from his point of view. So oh, that's yeah, kind of, of cool. That's cool. All right, we're back in a safe zone now. We're no more spoiler for a bit. But I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And there's just so mm-hmm. much cool shit about this movie. Just overall visually fucking cool. It's kind of got a touch of John Wick, touch of like Only God Forgives slash Drive. <laughs> a bit of memento yeah. in there with the confusion and, you know, who am I? Um, and even a touch of Total Recall, which starts oh, to yeah. allude to some yeah, of the, true. the plot twists. Um and, like, you sit there going, am I supposed to know who this guy is? Because we haven't watched any of the sequels in between, right? And I checked and you don't. He's not in any of them. So it is a, you're, it's a conscious choice to have you sitting there confused. And I think it pays off. Yeah, and I thought they did uh, – the people winced about that, but I thought it was good. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty critical of films that dance around and confuse you and don't give you a payoff or, you know. Yeah. You know, the discovery process is treated. Yeah. I thought I thought this was good. Like I liked yeah. it. I was like, oh yeah, oh, and it made sense. Like that, it was tied up well. Exactly, everything made sense. It made sense. It was clear. Yeah, I was taking notes throughout of what I thought were plot holes, and now in hindsight, they all make sense. You know, like why why didn't they just kill him when they got the chance? But I guess okay, we're, we're going to get into spoilers. So spoilers from now on. Why didn't yeah. they yeah. kill him when they get a chance? But actually, no. I guess they were trying to. Inject him with that shit so he'd join them instead. Yeah. And like I said, the first person part, it's not just a stylistic choice. Like that actually works if that was a fake memory because it never actually happened. Um, 
And I guess with that, we don't necessarily know how bad of a guy JC was because he didn't kill his wife and kid. That was a fake memory. Mm. Can I, should I just recap the like the not the plot, but I guess the spoilery parts of the plot, so it all makes sense. So he is a essentially a fake human, a yeah. unisoul. He's himself. nine weeks old or whatever. Yeah, designed to take down other unisouls. And he's the first, he's not the first, he's one of many. He's the first one where they've injected family memories and given that motivation versus apparently more patriotic stuff. Yeah, slash soldier's orders type thing, which is cool just on that. That was nice because that core motivation piece tied back to the first one. If you remember, Luke, Uh, the whole thing was... He just wanted to go home and Scott's whole thing was he just wanted to kill. Yeah, And that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was their um, MO when they came back as a unisol. So that was kind of cool that that was still the main kind of theme and programming yeah. thing for the, yeah, for the soldiers. Yeah, and then like I said, I was like, well, why didn't your mate, the, the MMA fighter, just kill him when he had the chance? Well, A, he probably couldn't because this guy's also pretty invincible. But B, I guess they were trying to get him to join. Yeah, he gave him the stab. Yeah, and I guess it didn't quite work toilets. on him or something. I think it kind of did, didn't it? But yeah, well, something happened. But then he, well, his family memory was stronger. I think that was yeah, that was like a oh yeah, it worked. This thing's better at resisting or whatever. Yeah, yeah, true. And it's interesting because it, that that's a pretty provocative question because it's like he intellectually understands that that's not real. But then what does that even, like if he remembers it, is that not, you know, like what's the, who fucking cares? Like total recall kind of situation. Like mm. is he a spy? Is he not a spy? Does it even matter? You know. Um, and even the end, I had to, <laughs> I was a bit confused at the end. I had to look it up. But he essentially killed that FBI guy and replaced him with a clone and I guess is now going to lead whatever this resistance yeah. thing is. It's fucking, it's cool, man. Yeah. It's like most you know, there's a role for ambiguity in, in the pictures, yeah. um, but it does get a bit played out and some people over-ambiguize, <clears throat> Nolan, um, <laughs> you know. So it's kind mm. of refreshing to see a movie that has a crack at a, a storyline that takes some turns and keeps you guessing but then gives you the answers on a platter. And the boldness to bring it to this franchise, like this just could have been a whole new movie but they've made it. A Universal Soldier movie. And so I guess that we get to have our Dolph in there and our JC in there. And, and I guess they're not in it as much as maybe we were expecting, but they're pretty great. Yeah. I guess Dolph maybe we should talk about since we did um, Masters of the Universe last week. He has a limited canvas with which to, uh, you know, mm. provide us with his art. He looks great. But he's doing good, man. It's good shit. Less is more with Dolph, I think. He's in a good zone here. Mm. And to be fair, he was pretty great in Universal Soldier 1 too. Like That might actually be his best. He was terrifying. I have that note here on reflection. I said yeah. Universal Soldier might be Dolph's best. God damn it, Dolph. Fucking platoon dropping like flies. What the hell are you staring at? Do you have any idea what it's like out there? Do you? When I'm fighting this thing, man, I kick ass. Well, kiss ass. And I'm busting heads. It's the only way to win this fucking war. Um, could we have used more Dolph? But, yeah, um, potentially, maybe not. And talk about ambiguity. He's just kind of there. You're never quite sure what his deal is. Like, there's so much backstory here that's not explained, but it doesn't matter. It's just kind of... Like is he mates again with JC? Or they they come to the whole thing is so weird. You know what's fascinating? It's like we did Dark Fate two weeks ago, and that movie had some problems, but it had some interesting ideas. One of which was what happens to a Terminator after he completes his mission. Mm. And James Cameron's answer to that was he opens a drape business. Yeah. Now this movie asks a similar question: What happens to all these uni souls once they're out in the wild? Mm. And they go fucking weird and start a cult <laughs> and it gets all fucking mm. trippy and fucked up and horrible. 
that feels like a more interesting answer. So, yeah, it's funny. You've got <laughs> if you put Terminator franchise side by side with Universal Soldier franchise, you wouldn't think that this would be the one to have a more interesting answer to that. Not that I, you know, I like Carl's drapery. I'm I'm down. Don't do it. <laughs> you need some balloons on there. Giraffes. <laughs> I don't think he says giraffes. Uh, maybe some uh, some unicorns. Puppies. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you create my puppies? Uh, oh, what about JC? This is really yeah, the modern JC zone of like the tired face look, and you know, yeah, yeah, which I dig. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a good zone. Why for did him. he have? Why did he have the black face, white face thing at the end? Was that significant? I don't way? know. There's some interesting uh, apocalypse now kind of yeah nods throughout. That I think I can't remember there if he is. does that in Apocalypse now, but there's there's some overall. Maybe he does. Yeah. 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 Heading upstream. You heading upstream. Yeah. My only friend. Ian. <laughs> hey, um. So on the you, you referenced a couple of films earlier, and I'm just trying to pinpoint what is this genre like. John Wick, Only God Forgives. Um, mm. A two that stood out for me, you know, style-wise, that hyper-violence. To be fair, this is before John Wick, right? I'm pretty sure it is. And it's only one year after Drive, so it's before Only God Forgives. Yeah, John Wick was 2014. So, man, yeah, okay. he's not just riffing on those. He's, he's, he's got some. No, he's probably yeah. influencing it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know how I feel about it. It's, it's, if I'm honest, it's probably too violent for me. Yeah, man, it's fucking hardcore. It's really hardcore. <laughs> it's fi- like that Only God Forgives movie is fucking weird that's hardcore. and I didn't that's, really like it. That's equally uncom- as uncomfortable, I think. Like that first yeah, the I, opening I, of that is fucked. Isn't it? I, I got the quote from the guy that um, Nicholas Winding Ref, 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 Ref or whatever his name is, the director mm. who did Drive obviously as well. He's like, emotionally, an artistic expression consists of sex or violence. It all boils down to those two pure emotions that we have. Like, uh, I don't, right. I don't, well, that's it. That's it's, it's like your opinion, man. <laughs> it sounds like something our mate would say, Verhoeven or something. And that's the thing. So it's yeah, interesting I how. I, I, yeah, I assume this guy's Dutchish. <laughs> but when you get Verhoeven films, Fucking ultra violent, but there's something like uh, campy about the violence Campier? in those where it doesn't feel did, as. Did you say campy? Yeah. 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 This felt fucked up, man. <laughs> and same with John Wick. John Wick kills like a billion people every movie in similar styles yeah. to what um to what Adkins is doing towards the end of this. There's long takes and shit are real cool. But um, it just feels this guy so gets much drilled in the head. More. Yeah. And then it gets up and it's keeps like on fighting. Sure. <laughs> it's like a close-up uh, of his head getting drilled. It's like that pornography stuff at points. Yeah. Do you remember that bit? He's I remember that bit. JC's, head. JC's son was in it. He's, he was yeah, he's a little bit of brain coming out. I'm like, come yeah. on. Oh, but uh, it's obviously intentional, so I'm not, I don't know, I'm not probably not criticising it. It's just probably not to my taste. It's pretty crazy that we both think that though, right? Like we're pretty down the... <laughs> some violence. We love lap pack movies. We're doing Rambo two next week. Like we're we're here, but it's something about this one. Like the brothel scene, I find so hard to watch. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I think that it, it's definitely intentional. He's yeah, trying yeah. to get a visceral reaction. He's trying to make the us uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Well, job done. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Times. Yeah. Crowbar. Oh, the. Um, oh man, the cro- yeah. Even the opening of the crowbar, I'm like, you're dead now, man. You can't. You don't. You've got to be dead. Mm. But again, yeah. I guess that makes sense because it wasn't a real memory, and also because he's a. Yeah. But yeah, I think what you're touching on here, though, as well, is that it does. You know, part of the point of this of this miniseries is to compare and contrast, right? And you look back at the first movie in this franchise came out in 1992. It was very 1992. It was about a couple of cyborgs in a post-Terminator world, <laughs> a girl sidekick with some zany, awkward moments. He eats a lot of pancakes. It's 
made by Carol Co. You know, it, it was very much of that. And now we're here talking about John Wick and, and Nicholas Winding mm. Refn movies and and on that note, the music as well. The music was fucking mm. cool. It was great. It was very unsettling. Yeah, it was sick. And I guess ironically, I guess I would say it felt quite modern, but he was referring back to some classics. Like he was talking about he wanted to do something reminiscent of John Carpenter movies like The Thing, which totally makes sense, Blade Runner, that kind of thing. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. Have you? Did you listen to that video review? So it's a critic review of ebit.com. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of their guys, Scout Tafoya, his name is, and he does a video, like an audio review of this film, goes for 10 minutes and just sort of talks about it. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he raves about this film, but his delivery is very much in the spirit of the film. It's very creepy and unsettling. Interesting. If you play from six minutes, he just says some really, I mean, he's got a way with words, this chap. Day of Reckoning is a hideous parody of the fixations of macho suburban men. For all its hallucinatory qualities and outsized generic elements, it's a shockingly prescient look into the condition of violent people all over America. The need, we feel, to be destructive and endanger others. This is a fight club for the age of Reddit and Gamergate. Is this Roman Roy? Anyway, you get the idea. Yeah. It's worth it's worth a listen, that whole that whole review. It's kind of I don't know if I believe everything he says. It's out there. Oh yeah, and you know what? They, there's a Vulture article that basically says and from, you know, Bilge Ibiri, I think, that guy, I don't know how to say his name, but that guy he shits on every Marvel movie and shit. And he's like, This movie should be terrible. And it's not. It's kind of awesome. Mm. And I think he even says in there at some point, like, if every action movie was directed by Hyams, the world might just be a better place. <laughs> like, it's full. People love this thing. It's yeah. Well, not all, but some people. So it's it's in this really weird space. And I feel like even if even though it's polarizing, some people hate it, and that's fine. I feel like it should have more airtime than it does. It's yeah, even for and- just being a bit of an oddity. It's, what's this guy made since? I'm just sort of. This is the thing. It's a bit disappointing. There's not much there. He's actually so fight fans are listening. There's a really famous documentary that came out um, early 2000s called The Smashing Machine. Oh yeah. Um, the life and times of um, Mark Kerr, who was a um, cage fighter at the time, who sort of battled with a, a bunch of addictions, uh-huh. and um, it's an awesome docker. Like it's super entertaining. Um, just for the for the story, um, you don't necessarily right. need to be a fight fan to like it. Um, so I saw he made that, and I was like, "That's pretty fascinating." Interesting, and that was early what's too. He done since? Yeah, so that's something called been, All yeah. Square. But he is literally the kind of director now where I I just want to watch what he's done since because it's got to at the very least yeah. be interesting. Yeah, I'm with you. Like we don't often say that about lap pack directors. <laughs> you know, like show me that next Sheldon Latich picture. It's more star-driven, you know, than it is director-driven usually. Yeah, he did uh, this Alone in 2020, which is like a, a chase thriller sort of thing. But yeah. knowing his oh, – it's got three people in it. Oh, oh that's cool. He's making these low-budget things. Give him, give him a big picture. Well, maybe not. Maybe that ruins them. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but give him all the success in the world. Oh, it's got 90%. Yeah, really? This okay. Alone, this Alone one. So it's got a cast of three, little chasey thriller with 90%. Hello? I'm down. Yeah. Have a, have a look, people. Look at us doing new movies and surfacing directors that need exposure. We're really, we're really doing it, Greg. Oh, we're, 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 we're part of the community now. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of cameos, we're not, but we are. Um, mm. <laughs> Roy Jones Jr. is <laughs> in this. He gets Who's his ass kicked. Uh, the guy that he ran, the soldier that randomly fights Arlovsky in, in the tunnel uh, in underground, yeah. the guy that comes up and grabs the bottle. Um, yeah. That's Roy, former, uh, well, great, one of the greats of all time, um, Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones ah. Definitely one of my favourite boxers. He gets his time. ass kicked. He gets whooped and I'm like, that's not really, can we not have Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> coming in for a cameo and getting whooped? That doesn't, no, I'm not down with that. 
it's interesting how all the egos work, right? It's disrespectful. Well, it probably just shows that he's a pretty chill guy that he's happy to do that because apparently there was some tension and it took a bit for JC to uh, agree to being beaten. I think they sold it to him as the passing of the torch thing. And then there's all that shit with fucking Vin Diesel and The Rock and Jason Statham that all have it in their contracts that they can't lose a fight. That's why in those Fast and the Furious movies the fights just kind of end with no loser (laughs) because they contractually can't lose. It's, It's just, man... So respect Stand to the all brand. the losers in this movie. <laughs> yeah, especially Roy Jones Jr. Yeah. He barely gets a punch <laughs> in. And Betty's got plenty of punches in in his time. Yeah. What a great. Um, I don't really have anything else. Me neither. Um, one more thing before we get into verdict, I guess. It could go either or. But I just wanted to say, Atkins, man, I was just watching. He There's this thing I always watch, which is kind of nerdy, but kind of not nerdy too because they also it's basically it's called the corridor crew and they do breakdowns of special effects and stuff but they also do stuntmen ones too and they get a stuntman on the show and they break down stunts from movies and they do one with with Atkins and he is just a absolute pleasure <laughs> he's like yeah. a, he's got this real George Harrison energy where he's just really <laughs> pleasant and won't speak ill of anyone and he's just happy to be involved <laughs> you know it's delightful. Definitely look it up. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes. Go go watch that. It's fucking great. In addition to all of his movies. He also has a YouTube channel where he breaks down like martial arts films with other actors. He's got Steven Seagal on one episode, Michael J. White on others, people that you've probably heard of that I haven't and many more. So he's, he's one of our guys. Maybe we should try and get him on the show. Uh, yeah. Anyway, on that note, should we get into the verdict? I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for, huh? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Verdict? Yeah, it's a subvertive, uh, intense roller coaster nightmare. <laughs> it sure is. I, man, you know, I forgot to say it was a bold move. I bought it. I didn't rent it. Bought it. Oh wow! It was available on. Where did I watch it? I had to buy it. Could I had stream to it here. Bizarre. Mm-hmm. Can't get American Psycho, but you can get <laughs> this. Um. It is definitely a rewatch for me, but I don't know how frequently I can put myself through it. But it is mm. good. It's like, uh, it's good. Yeah, man, fucking watch it if you can. Yeah, it's, um, but it's yeah. super intense. Um, so strap in for Requiem of Requiem for a Dream <laughs> ass to ass. I'll plow through the uh, cultural relevancy test. They're going to be yeah. very fast on this one. Did Simpsons do it? No. Porn parody? I don't think so. Probably Universal Soldier. Bechdel test, no. FX test, yeah. I mean, there's lots of gore. Mm. MVP, I think I've got to give it to Atkins. It's the, it's the first thing I've seen him in. And I was highly skeptical coming in. I Like when I first watched it years ago, I was like, oh, one of these new guys. I don't, you know. It's like yeah. when you hear it, when you're trying to get on board with a new rapper and it takes a while because <laughs> you're only like nine years <laughs> right? Um, it's yeah. a similar thing. And by the end of it, I was like, all right. You're all right, Atkins. Yeah. You got my you're, vote. You're charming. <laughs> and some good kicks. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going, f- fuck, we're going to the fucking template. <laughs> the modern yeah. lap pack, well, the 80s, 90s lap pack picture is pretty much all built upon the foundation laid by Rambo First Blood Part 2. So we're Man. going. I started watching it last night. I can't wait to talk about it. I'm going to watch it again because I was sort of just, it's just, it's fascinating how much of a blueprint it is. I had no idea. I'd, yeah. I've seen it before, but. I, Same, but you don't really, you're not, because it all happened before we were all that conscious, you don't know the timeline of these things. Mm, and now mm. that we've done Commando and like a few others, you go, oh, that was all like at this one special time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. And especially since we've done First Blood. It's so oh, we can, and then we're going to do last blood. So we're going to be able to track the whole fucking thing. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. 
Hey, happy 4th of July weekend. Is that what they say? Oh, uh, yeah. Happy 4th of July. You guys are so happy. I guess this is coming out on 4th of July. Is it Monday, 4th of July? It is. Happy 4th. It is, definitely. Happy 4th. All right, we'll see you next week for some Stilology. Yeah. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Finally have time to do what I've always wanted, write the great American novel. Mine is about a futuristic amusement park where dinosaurs are brought to life through advanced cloning techniques. I call it Billy and the Clonosaurus. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done, and then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. Didn't you think this bestseller list for 18 months? Every magazine cover had popular movies of all time, sir. What were you thinking? I mean, thank y'all. Come again.